Coming up on this episode, author Jace Ellis is here to tell us about her new book, Learned Behaviors. Welcome to episode 266 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Will Knaus, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, Rainbow Romance readers. We are so glad that you could join us for another week, another episode of the show. And we've got something I think you're really going to enjoy. We're going to be talking to author Jace Ellis. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about her book, Andre, and could not possibly be more effusive in my love for that book. But we're talking about her latest. But before we get to that, do you have any news or updates for us? Well, you know, we talked about last week in our anniversary episode that we're changing up the format of the show a little bit. And this is the first week that you really get to see that happen, because we do want to tell you now that we're going to have another episode coming up this Thursday. That's November 12th. And we're going to have that one full of book reviews, including a review of Jace's new book, Learned Behaviors, which I know I'll just give a little spoiler to the audience. You were absolutely gaga for Well, let's do away with the preamble and get right to it. We both had a wonderful time talking to Jace Ellis. She's fun and funny and, of course, very, very talented. And in the interview, we're going to talk about her introduction to the gay romance genre, the unique circumstances in which she wrote her first MM book. And, of course, we're going to learn about her brand new release, Learned Behaviors. Jace, welcome to the podcast. It is so wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. I am so glad to be here with you guys. So we've already been super excited on the show about Andre. And now you've got a new book coming out with learned behaviors, and we're going to get to meet Jaquan and Matt. Please tell us all about this book. So this is a book that was inspired by a tweet. Sometime in late 2018, early 2019, I saw a tweet about how Black men in particular don't cultivate a lot of new relationships as adults, that a lot of the friends that they have in adulthood are friends that they either have had since they were children or people that they met in college, but that like brand new relationships as adults were unusual. And I thought about that. And with some exceptions, it was in my experience with the men that I knew mostly true. And so I wanted to write a series where they formed the beginnings of a new friendship with no romantic overtones as adults. And that's kind of how the concept of learned behaviors came to me. And I was trying to find a a vehicle to put it through and everybody loves single dads. Like we just, everybody loves them, right? And so I thought that that would be a good vehicle to do it through. And I wanted to do something uh, different than the dads taking their kids to extracurriculars when they're young or practices when they're teenagers. And so that's why I kind of placed it in college where they're dropping their kids off for college, Jaquan in this case for the first time. And that's where he starts meeting these people who end up becoming what will be lifelong friends on top of the relationship that he ends up in this story. So that's kind of where the series came from. And with Jaquan, It was a unique situation in that I made him a teenage father, which you don't often see a lot in romances. I made him a teenage dad who's 
the mother had just kind of decided she was done. She didn't want to do it. That hadn't been their plan. It hadn't been either of their plans. And so Jaquan's raised this child with his mother uh, his whole life. And so now he's got an 18-year-old child and he's 35. So he's like younger than the majority of people you're going to meet. And on the other side, we've got Matt, who's a divorcee, whose wife cheated on him, remarried someone who's closer to their oldest son's age than to theirs. Uh, and he's got three children and they're all adults, two of them in college, one's law school, one's undergrad, and then the oldest son is getting married. And that's kind of the situation that I bring these two together in is Jaquan at this really kind of turning point in his life where now he's got to figure out what his life is when it's not his child because that's what his life has been. And Matt trying to strengthen the relationship with his children that frankly was harmed by the divorce, not necessarily because the wife did anything, but because he had spent so much time trying to provide for his family that he forgot to be there for his family. And by the time he realized what he'd done, it was too late to save that marriage. And so those are the kind of two main characters that I decided, hell, let's stick them together, add a cat, and make them hate each other. And then everyone will fall in love. <laughs> Going back to one of the first things you said is that we don't see this a lot in romance. Everybody loves the single dad, but positioning them with the older kids and everything else that you've stacked into those characters, this sounds really exciting to me. It's fun. It's a little softer, I think, than Jeremiah and Andre were. That one was a little bit more, well, it's first person, so they, God, they cuss a lot. I didn't realize how much they curse. I'm like, my God, I might need to work on this. Um, and I like, and I, I edited a lot of it out, but good Jesus, boys. Um, and so this <laughs> but this one is a little bit softer. It's meant to be a little bit tropier. It, the other books are kind of honestly kind of issue books. You know, I, I wrap them up in a lot of like hands-on-ness and sex and all that jazz. But this one is more soft. It's about family. It's about just real people having real life and dealing. And we do have precocious eight-year-olds, but they're not the star. It's, it's interesting, this book, one of the things that happened that I hadn't actually really planned is that you almost have two romances because Jack and Matt have daughters and the daughters end up in a relationship together and then the daughters break up <laughs> and that ends up being a subplot. If Karina really, really likes me, they might let me write their reunion next year. We'll see. They break up and that actually ends up being a, a bit of a trigger point in Jaquan and Matt's relationship that the daughters don't necessarily approve of them being together. And it's different when you've got people who are grown, even if in name only, as 18-year-olds tend to be, who have very strong feelings. And when that person has that person's opinion has been so important for so long in your life, it really does make you consider whether or not it's even worth it to start something new or whether or not it's, you know, better to just keep on doing what you've been doing and what's, you know, worked for you thus far. So I think it's a lot of fun. I really, really like it. I'm nervous about it because it is a bit different than Jeremiah and Andre were. So I just hope people like it. But it's a sweet story. It's very sweet. We need sweet right now. So, mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. 
this the the entire series they're just they're all sweethearts they're just mushy and you just like want to like smush their faces together and make them kiss and like everybody move on and be happy with each other so this is a softer series and I really really like it so I hope I just I keep having my fingers crossed that people will enjoy it because I'm so nervous that it's such a departure from Jeremiah and Andre that people won't feel the same way but I think Especially if you're looking for something a little bit softer, not super angsty. One of my critique partners loves angst and she says, oh my God, I have to keep reminding myself that this is intentional, <laughs> that it's not as angsty because good God, a woman, there's so much you could do. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't want to, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping that works for the segment of readers out there who are looking for something a little bit lighter um, in these kind of turbulent times right now. So what's the plan for this particular series? So this book is out of November. Now the next book in the series is A Friends to Lovers and that's out in March. And then Lord willing, you'll get a one night stand ghosting situation turned into a Manny romance sometime next year. But Karina, when I got this contract, they purchased the first two books of High Rise, the purchase Jeremiah and Andre, and then the first two books of this one. So hopefully if things go well with this book and with the next one, they'll pick up the last two. The third one would be the Manny, and then the fourth one would actually be the daughters from this book, from Learned Behaviors, reuniting at Jaquan and Matt's wedding some five years in the future. So that's what I'm hoping for. Oh, so <laughs> much to look forward to. Yes, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. So I, I very much, when I started writing, was not sure how much the world was ready or interested in Black gay romances and Black queer romances. And so I'd always intended to self-publish. And so in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, if they don't pick it up, I'm still going to self-publish it. Like, mm-hmm. So the books will come out. The question will simply be whether or not they're under Karina's name or my own. So a couple of weeks ago, I reviewed Andre here on the podcast, uh, and I fell absolutely in love with those men and their story. The book is absolutely wonderful. That's actually part of a series called High Rise. Where did that idea come from for, for those two books, Jeremiah and Andre? Two months before I got married in 2017, I was sitting on the floor. I'd written a short story that had been published some years back, and I was kind of at a crossroads with where I wanted to go with my career. And what that really meant was that until that point, all the characters I'd written had been white because we were still kind of in a society where a lot of people didn't read black lead characters. I mean, that, that was just our reality. And I had to decide if I was going to write for money (laughs) or if I was going to write what I want to write and if I get paid great but I want to write this story and I decided that I just I wanted to write what I loved and I wanted to write black men black women finding love falling in love and being happy and it's a couple of months before our wedding and I have zero interest in any of this wedding planning nobody believes me okay I said, we got a wedding planner, so I don't have to do this. I wanted my dress and my flowers and tell me where to stand. No one believed me (laughs) until they realized that I I was serious. And they're like, 
oh, she really doesn't care. No, she doesn't. And so I'm trying to figure out what to get my husband as a wedding present. And I decided I was going to write him a story. <laughs> and that was Jeremiah. <laughs> I'm going to write a love letter to my husband. And so honestly, High Rise is a series long love letter to my husband. That's what it is at the end of the day. Every character in here is my husband in some way, shape, or form, the good, the bad, the ugly, the heart-rending, the everything. And so that's really where it came from. And so he's actually the one who picked all of the main characters' names that I have planned in the series. And he has, I mean, with Andre was such a nightmare to get done. He actually sat there and I handwrite my edits and he sat there and had to type them all in because I was so behind on my deadline and we had such a tight turnaround that he actually had to sit there and type in all of my handwritten edits and he was like this is filthy and so so he has been like just an absolute godsend in this entire process but that's where it really came from was thinking what do I want to say to him what do I want to talk about with him and so that's that's really what it is it's just a big old love letter your husband sounds utterly amazing. Like, I can't imagine giving Will my handwritten corrections to type in <laughs> to the story. Yeah, ain't gonna happen. No, sorry. <laughs> well, my husband, he got so mad at me once because I changed everything except for like three lines on a page. And he said, next time you rewrite this entire doc on page, don't you leave me three lines and think I'm going to catch this in the middle of trying to do all that. Don't you dare. And I'm like, yes, sir. And then he went and actually let me purchase a tablet that converts text to handwriting. So that if I ever had that situation again, he wouldn't be required to transcribe it for me anymore. So that was how we dealt with that. But he, he is amazing. But that's really what it was. I, I'd say High Rise is kind of a more issue booky series. Andre ended up being a lot more about masculinity and femininity and what it means to be a man and what it means to be a black man it, it, it ended up being about that in a way that I kind of wanted to touch on but it took a shift it took a turn that I really hadn't anticipated as I was drafting it uh, which of course I can't talk about because wow that ruins the entire book but but you know Marcus's ultimate decision about his career path was not what I'd originally intended when I was writing it but that's where the story went and I think that it made the story so much stronger than it would have been and as I'm planning out the next books in the series I'm they are touching on things that are that you deal with in all areas but then also things that are really kind of specific to the black community there are issues about respectability politics there are issues about being equally yoked with your partner and what that how people take it and what it really means. There are issues with religion, which I promise I'm going to try not to make that a preachy book that talks about how I feel about religion. We're going to try not to do that. <laughs> but, you know, there are all those kind of sort of issues that come into it because they're things that we deal with in our community. And so it's a love letter to my husband. It's a love letter to my culture. It's a love letter to my people as well. And so it becomes a little bit more serious and that's why for me higher education is a little softer i kind of wanted it to not go into those issues as deeply i wanted it to be a, a little bit more tropey a little bit more just fun pure romance 
I don't know how to apparently write things with no issues in them. Like, that's apparently just not how my brain works. But I, I really tried to keep that a little bit softer so that there's really a, a bit of a clear divide in terms of what those theories are and what they deal with, I think. I have to ask, how does your husband feel about a gay romance being written as a wedding present to him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if he really means that smile or if he's just saying that, but you know, my, my husband, after Jeremiah came out, before Andre came out, a couple of months, he came, he pulled me aside and he said, sweetie, so you say that you're straight. And I'm not sure that word means what you think it means. Cause babe, we, we need to, we need to discuss this. Cause you're not, honey, you're, you're really, like, I love you. You're, you're my everything. You're not. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to need to let that go. And I'm like, what are you talking? Oh, wow. He's right. So my husband is accepting to the point where he was the one who really helped me realize that I'm not straight as I've claimed for so long and helped me to unpack some of the issues surrounding that. So he has been absolutely nothing but an amazing support of me. He's amazing when you and your girls are sitting out having dinner and drinking cocktails and they're talking about how all men ain't whatever. And then they're like, mm, and Jay's got a good one because that man is amazing. And she's lucky. And I'm like, wait, I, we, I wasn't even saying anything. We're like, girl, we know you better hold on to that one because if you don't, we'll take them. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and everyone who meets them says it. Everyone likes him more than me. He's the sweetheart and I'm the bully, but it works. And he, I think he's proud more than anything. I think he's proud of the work and the time and having sat there and watched me force myself to get up at six and then get up at five. And now I get up at 4.30 to do the things and to keep pushing. I think it brings him a sense of pride. And I think when you see the entire thing together when the entire series is done you can really tell it's a love letter to him because it ends up being his name at the end of the day <laughs> i get the entire series out it's it's just it's his name it's his name and courtney's his middle name so when i say it's a love letter i mean that really and truly it's it's all him because i wouldn't have done this without him that's really sweet. I love that. That was wonderful. Yeah. And, <laughs> and speaking of Courtney, I wanted to ask you about the story that you have in the anthology called Big City Heat. The story yeah. is called Courtney, and we are curious, is it connected to the books Andre and Jeremiah? It is. So uh, it does presume that you've read Andre, okay? You don't need to have read Jeremiah, but... They, they come back, they're there, they have cameos, they talk to you for a little while in that. But if you have read Jeremiah or Andre, then you have met Mr. Johnson, who is the wise and affable concierge um, at the apartment complex. And Courtney is his son. And he's never mentioned his son before. And you get a little bit of the understanding as to why that is in some of their backstory which has prompted one person to tell me i have to write the entire thing and i don't want to um <laughs> uh, but he ends up with andre's baby brother tracy so it does presume some understanding and yes i do realize that the characters names are, are courtney and tracy and one of my friends was like you did that on purpose didn't you yes <laughs> 
yes, I did. <laughs> and so, but it, it is, it is a gay male. It is not sapphic. That's coming Lord Welling, but yes, Courtney and Tracy are both men in this story. And so it is tied into them. And you get to have another 4th of July in Jeremiah, the 4th of July party was kind of the inciting incident of the book. And so we get to have another 4th of July. You get to see Jeremiah and Colin a little bit further into their relationship and kind of see where they are now in their relationship. And it takes place really at the conclusion of Andre and Marcus's story. So they are newly together. They're very newly together and and having that relationship. And Marcus has just recently moved in with Andre at the time that this story takes place. So it just takes place over the weekend, but it's a lot of fun. It's very, very sweet. It's very cute. It's only 20,000 words. It's super short, but it's a lot of fun. The entire, all of the books are a lot of fun. You get some of everything. You've got billionaires and interracial and me and Jody Payne she says hello uh, she has a story <laughs> in the book so you've got I think two male males you've got some IR you've got my book is two black characters you've got that rep you've got billionaires you've got a little bit of suspense you've got really something for everyone in there so I'm really excited and it comes out on my birthday which is even better nice birthday present <laughs> Yes, it is. It is. So I'm excited for that. It, it should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. Mm. Well, how, how many books do you plan for the entire High Rise series? It was originally five. And then Storm and Lizzie were so popular that I thought about doing them as a novella and then decided that they deserve more than that. I, I didn't want to get into a situation some of the women in, in the books have been popular and I didn't want to be in a position where I was writing the men were getting full-length novels and the women weren't so I was like you know what let's make them a full-length novel as well so right now I'm planning four more books in the series I am planning Solomon which is about religion Omar which somehow became about respectability politics that wasn't what this book was meant to be and yet here we are Niles which who knows what that's going to be about that one actually the love interest is a widower so that one's interesting and there's a bit of an age gap but the younger of the two is in his late 30s and then Storm and Lizzie who get together break up and get back together and I have no idea how yet <laughs> I know is that it, it will happen at some point in the events in Courtney they've broken up and so somehow I got to figure out why <laughs> And then I have to get them back together again. So that's what I'm planning for right now. So six books total in that series. A whole bunch of good stuff happening right there. Yeah. <laughs> now, you spoke early about the inspiration for writing Jeremiah. Was that your first MM? Is that how you got your start in the genre? I actually had written a short story and I had plans to publish it. And then life happened. We had to deal with a lot of things in life. And so that just never happened. I took a bit of a break. And when I got back to writing seriously again, that's when I kind of had to make the decision how I wanted to write, whether or not I wanted to write these books for money and for readership. But I couldn't think of anything, honestly, that felt unique, that felt different, that felt like you hadn't read it already. I was really struggling with that. 
And that was when I kind of shifted my attention and I said, well, if you make a black, everything's new, honestly, in this world right now. And one day that won't be the case. And that is the day I can't wait for. But that's, that's when I started working on Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is my first full length novel. Had you been reading M.M. for a while before you started Absolutely. writing? Yes, I think, when did I start reading M.M.? Probably 2013 or so, I'd say. I'd stopped reading for a while, go to college, go to law school, and, oh, I don't have time to do this. And then I realized, that's stupid. And so I had stopped reading anything for pleasure for a very, very long time. And so when I finally started back to it, I started with historicals because that's always been my first love has been historicals. And I rediscover why I love Johanna Lindsay. May she rest in peace. And then went to a little bit of contemporary, but kind of got burned out on contemporary quick. And then I was like, MM, is there, what else is there? And then found MM, which unfortunately, especially in ebooks, I think at that time was much easier to find than sapphic romance was. One of my friends gave me a bunch of books, but it was harder to find them in terms of an online sphere for me at, at that time. And so then I was like, this is it. I am home. This is excellence. This is perfection. And never shall I leave this space. And that's what it was. And so I think I started reading in 2013. I think I was reading like Finn Marlowe and J.L. Langley and some of them and I've just kind of been going ever since then yeah that's wonderful J.L. Langley yeah. love those books <laughs> historical oh, yeah. being a first love is there a historical in your future to write somewhere no no but you know what that requires <laughs> research that requires way more research than your girl's gonna do okay <laughs> so I, I that is one that I am strictly a reader only and I love and applaud those who put the time in put the research in but I can read Alyssa Cole and Piper Hughley and Vanessa Riley for my kind of black and IR historicals and me and KJ Charles can kick it you know with the rest and I'm good I leave that in their already well-defined hands <laughs> not gonna be me mm -mm. You mentioned with learned behaviors that it's enemies to lovers. Yeah. Do you have favorite tropes to work with or do you just play with all of them? I play with all of them. I, I love, I'm the one, I don't even realize I'm writing a trope half the doggone time until somebody points it out. <laughs> like, I totally forgot Andre had only one bed and I'm like, oh, it did, didn't it? Totally forgot about it. Wasn't even thinking about it. So there aren't, there are tropes that I dislike, but I don't know that there's, but unless I dislike you, I love everything else. I want to play with everything else. And so this environment that we're in made writing a true enemies to lovers hard because I just didn't have the requisite animosity. I was just tired. <laughs> honestly I just couldn't do it so it's more of a this person aggravates the crap out of me <laughs> than a true enemy they both respect one another they know that the other is good at their job they just wish they would get that stick out of their behind and like let someone live a little and so it's not a true enemy enemies but it's a very irritable workplace colleagues to lovers but that was fun the next one is friends to lovers and my God, that's hard. That, 
I don't know how people do friends with lovers. So I'm like, why don't you guys just get together already? My God, people, like, <laughs> what are we waiting for? But so I think I'd end up with only one bed a lot. And I was thinking about it, and I think part of it is that my stories are set in D.C. And to the extent that D.C. can be such a transient city in terms of its population, they're often leaving to go back to where they're from originally. There are times when they have to go back home. When Andre was for Father's 70th party. And so I noticed that was happening. So a couple of the couples are both D.C. natives, so the entire story stays in the district. But I do realize that I've done only one bed a couple of times. I'm okay with this. Like, I, I love it. Please have there be only one bed. My God. But, so I'm trying to do something a little bit different. And some of the other ones, though, Jaquan and Matt definitely have an only one bed. They, they just, because the son's wedding is in Norfolk. So they have to travel and voila, there's but one bed. So I love enemies to lovers. I love friends to lovers. I love arranged marriages. Please have to fake a relationship for me. I beg of you, do this. The only thing I really don't like, I don't think, is Secret Baby. I think that's the only one that I have a problem with. This could be because I'm a family law attorney. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think my job interferes with my enjoyment of this. You know, it works for me in historical. I have a hard time with not getting child support. Honestly, I'm like, wait, you had this baby for how long? And you ain't go after him for child support? See, I can't respect you anymore. So I have a problem with it in contemporary in a way that is, I think, directly related to what I do for a living. But in historical, I love it. Like, I mean, you can put it all day in historical because the travel makes it harder to communicate. If you find out when you were on a ship somewhere, likelihood is you're going to get to where you're going and you can't just turn around and go back to the person. So I can deal with it there. It's just, that's the only one. But I mean, you give me step-siblings, I'm all over it. Come on. You know, <laughs> I love everything else. I, I, there's very little that I can think of that I don't like in terms of tropes. As long, and when they're handled well, any trope is mm. amazing. So why limit yourself? <laughs> <laughs> What's a book you've read that you would recommend to our listeners? It's kind of been a mess <laughs> of a year. And so I think I've really reread a lot of stuff. Oh, things I love. Kelly Farmer's Out on the Ice, exceptional. Adriana Herrera's Here to Stay, I love. Let's see, Kendall Ryan's Anything. I mean, just read anything uh, she writes. Uh, Melissa Blue's newest ones, Rebecca Weatherspoon's, all of which are, you know, somewhat comfort reads. And so the newest Under the Kill came out. And I'm like, oh, let me go reread the first six books. Sure, why not? I have to do. So a, 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 a lot of rereads. Case Verity is just an absolute favorite of mine. I love them so much. And I think I probably read Team Bison and Team Bison Forever once a quarter like clockwork mm -hmm. and I'm envious that I will probably never be that good but I love them and would like to like pick them up and put them in my pocket and carry them around with me forever uh, so and then to get like a little bit away from romance all the time I've been reading rereading a lot of Rachel Kane, the um Stillhouse Lake and the Kilman Creek and that series been rereading a lot of that so 
which helps with my murdery tendencies on occasion. Um, oh, and ooh, yes. Rosie Adams is amazing and Christina C. Jones, y'all. Thank me later. Kat Jackson, thank me later. Now, earlier we, when we were speaking about higher education, we were talking mm -hmm. about the plans for the next in the series, which is coming out in yeah. March. What else is yeah. coming our way in 2021? So that is the last definite book that actually mm. has a date to it. So, and that's Best Friends to Lovers. And that's another one where the child is not uh, college age, but the child in this case is a high school student, beginning high school. And so that's next. And then the rest of that series would be, you know, as I mentioned, uh, a Manny situation. And that's the one where you kind of got kids of different ages in that when you've got high school, you've got college, and then that's when you get the kind of precocious eight-year-old twin running around that way for book three for that. And then Lord Willing, the secondary romance that was in book one, hopefully will have their own story as well later on. So that's what I'm hoping for with them. If I'm lucky, I'll be able to go back to High Rise and get the rest of those books out and then give you guys the rest of um, the higher education series. I think it's a lot of fun. And somebody asked me if I was going to write a baseball series because I mentioned baseball and Jeremiah apparently one too many times. It's like, oh, you should write a series about baseball. I'm like, I love baseball. I truly do. And so now I have a nine book series planned. Wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So much okay. to look forward to. <laughs> so, so literally, whereas I was saying, if hopefully Karina will pick it up. I love. I have loved working with Karina. Would love to work with them some more. But because I never actually expected to be published by a publisher, my plan has always been to self-publish. So they said those books will come out. It's just a matter of who under what imprint, whether it be from them or whether it be under my own name, but I definitely will get them out to you. I'm excited to get them out to you because they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, can't wait. So as we wrap things up, how can people keep up with you online? So my website is www.authorjaceellis, that's two E's and two L's back to back. That's pretty much my handle for everything. Okay, Instagram is Author Jace Ellis. My Facebook page is Author Jace Ellis. Twitter is also Author Jace Ellis, but apparently that's 16 letters. And Twitter only lets you have 15 letters. <laughs> <laughs> so there's only one E in Author Jace Ellis on Twitter. So it's now Author J-A-Y-C-E-L-L-I-S. Only one E on Twitter only. Everything else is two E's and two L's. And if you go on onto my website and take a look at Courtney. There's an excerpt of it on the website because it's in the middle of the book for the actual anthology. So if you want to get a glimpse, see what it's about, the first chapter is up on my website. Because I think it's page 500 in the actual book. I know what we can do right after we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> Go read a chapter. Yeah. It's up there. I double checked today to make sure it's up there. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for talking to us. We're going to link to everything that we have talked about in the show notes so people can go find it really easily. And yeah, can't wait to, to read what's coming next from you. Some really good stuff on the way. 
Thank you so much. I, it has been my absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Like I said, this is kind of a dream come true, and I so hope that you guys enjoy Learn Behaviors as much as you did, Andre. This week's interview transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Don't forget, the show notes page also has links to everything that we've just talked about. And thanks again to Jace for spending some time with us. I absolutely adored that interview. Like you said, she was funny and insightful and a pure delight to talk to. And I want to say, I want to meet her husband someday. We've heard many times over the course of this show how important it is to have supportive spouses and significant others to bolster your writing life. He sounds incredible from, you know, typing in her handwritten edits to the whole idea of the wedding gift being those stories that she wrote with Andre and Jeremiah. It was just wonderful. So I hope we get to meet him one day, too. All right, I think that'll do it for this episode. Coming up next in episode 267, we've got book reviews coming your way as we talk about titles from Jace Ellis, TJ Klune, and a whole lot more. That episode will be dropping into your podcast feed on November 12th. So many just wonderfully good books. We're going to really abuse your TBR coming up on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner.